Mac Power Users, Episode 119, Geek Fitness. Hey, everybody. It's David Sparks. Along with me is Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie. Happy New Year, David. Happy New Year. We're actually recording this on New Year's Day, which shows you how awesome we are, right? We're very dedicated to our craft. I guess. And this is what an appropriate show to record on New Year's Day, right? Absolutely. So it's time to talk about geek fitness. This is a show we've been kicking around for a while. Both Katie and I have had our own little journey. And um, we weren't sure whether or not we wanted to get that personal. But then we said, what the heck, let's do it. You know, so you speak for yourself. I'm not sure how personal I'm going to get. But um, yeah. we, t- we thought about putting this in the in the resolution show because – isn't everybody's New Year's resolution, I'm going to get in shape, I'm going to be fit, I'm going to eat better, I'm going to do things like that. And then the more we started thinking about it, and David, you did this wonderful blog post, and I didn't realize you were doing some of this stuff. I was doing some of this stuff independently and hadn't really talked to you about it. And then we thought, well, maybe there's kind of this this own separate show, and what better way to, to do it but other than to kick off the year, right? Yeah, I wanted to definitely give it a show because there's a lot to talk about here. And so the the subject today is geek fitness. In particular, you know, Apple related geek fitness because that's what we do. But of course, um, uh, it, it, it I think it's just an interesting subject and there's a lot of people out there that may be may be uh, interested in pursuing it. And for me, what happened to me was yeah, I, I'm 44 years old and I was looking at a family picture and it was a combination of two things, slowing metabolism and decreasing eyesight. <laughs> and I, uh, I looked at a family picture. I'm like, who's that fat guy? You know, <laughs> and I, uh, I put my glasses on and I'm like, oh man, how did that happen? You know? So I, uh, I got on the scale, I was 205 pounds and I'm like, ah, oh, that's crazy. Cause I'm short. And, uh, you know, that's just not right. So I decided, you know, I got to do something about this. And, and I knew immediately that, you know, weight loss plans, I'd never really done one seriously. At once I had played with the Atkins diet, but that doesn't work for me. I, I can't, I love pasta too much. I can't just eat meat all the time. Right. And, uh, and so I never really stuck with it. And that, a lesson I got from that, that was years ago was that you, you can't, have a fitness plan that you don't enjoy being on because you're never going to last with it. But, but this is a serious problem. I mean, in America in particular, there's uh, there is an obesity problem and you know, we're, we've got all this terrible food thrown at us all the time and America is, is getting chunky and it's time for us all to try and take care of ourselves a little better. So I wanted to do something about it, but I also knew that uh, the traditional idea of going to join a gym was something that I was just not interested in. It's never really been my thing. And um, and I knew that I needed to kind of turn it into a game. And uh, for me, of course, turning something into a game involves technology. So I geeked up for losing weight. And, um, and that's what we're going to talk about. So both Katie and I have done this. Uh, we're going to talk about some of our favorite tools and tricks we use to get there. And uh, and then also share some others that we didn't personally use, but we found seem like are pretty good options. And hopefully by the end of the show, you'll get get some ideas of yourself uh, to get a little more fit, maybe um, lose a few pounds while you're at it. So let's be clear this this show is really just an excuse to go out and buy stuff, right? Uh, that's part of it, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you're going to go out and you're going to buy some cool new workout clothes and and some gadgets and gizmos and maybe a new iPod and some music. And I mean, it's really just an excuse to go out and buy stuff. Uh, you know, and that's an interesting point because you can say, um, um, I think isn't it Merlin has that great saying where, you know, if you want to become a runner, 
don't buy magazines about running, but actually put on some shoes and go run or something. I forget That's exactly the hardest how, part, yeah. Yeah, but the um, and I, I agree with that. I think that you know going out and buying a few geeky tools or downloading some apps. Um, is not a substitute for actually eating better and exercising more. But uh, in my case, the investment in this stuff, both of time and money, uh, was a big factor in letting me stick through the hard parts of this thing. You know, when when I wasn't sure I was going to keep doing it, I looked down at all the data I've collected, or I looked down at the uh, was a hundred and fifty dollar bathroom scale I bought, and I'm like, you know what? I can't stop doing this. I got to get my monies out of this thing. <laughs> so, by, by so, the way, I do have a twenty five dollar alternative in the show notes that I like. Okay, good. Well, see, so there you have it. So, uh, you know, actually investing a little bit in this stuff, I think there is something to be said for it. Now, I'm not saying go crazy and you know take a second out on your house, but. Um, you know, spending a little money to get yourself tooled up to do something like this is a good idea because this is really hard. And, you know, all these, you know, diets and fitness plans, they always work great for a couple of weeks and then you hit this wall where you just stop caring. And uh, I think the more you invest in, in doing these things, it's kind of like the same way you zombie focus. I know it's a bit of an investment of time to kind of get that application rolling, but boy, once you've got that data in there, you get this great momentum behind you. And uh, this really worked for me. Uh, so I guess we should just hit it, right? Yeah, and and maybe we should throw out that since we're lawyers, the standard disclaimer that you know you should consult with your physician before you start any workout or exercise or diet regimen routine. But I and I think what we're going to throw out is just mainly stuff that's worked for us and and probably stuff that's just common sense. I mean, we're all smart people. This stuff isn't hard. I mean, you know what you need to do and what you shouldn't be putting in your mouth, right? In theory, yeah. although over the, over the holidays, I pretty much fell off the wagon. Uh, yeah. Well, so, you know, I mean, if personal finance was only about math, we'd all be rich, right? Yeah. 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 Same same principle here. Anyway. But yeah, tell tell us tell us what you're doing, David, that's that's helping. You you wrote a blog post that kind of started this and um I, I liked a lot of your ideas. Yeah, so geeking up uh to lose weight. And and for me it really was about losing weight. I got on the scale as two hundred and five pounds and it, it just freaked me out. I I don't think I've ever been that heavy. And uh, I said, you know, this has got to stop. So I had that kind of initial cold water in the face that you need to uh, make some progress. Now, and, did you uh, um, did you have any of these tools to begin with or did no, you go out and start I, fresh? I didn't have anything. Um, you know, we had a bathroom scale that we've owned since we got married. It's 25 years old or something. It works fine. You know, it's great when you're like traveling and you want to weigh your your luggage, you know, but, <laughs> okay. but, uh, you know, I, I didn't really, you know, I never really paid attention to this stuff. And, and like I said, I think as you get a little older, your metabolism slows down and you're not as active as you used to be. So I, I just needed to, to get on it. And I didn't do a lot of research about this stuff. Um, and I guess this goes to Katie's disclaimer. I mean, do whatever works for you, but we thought we'd share our stories. Um, so the first thing I did was I downloaded an app for my iPhone. I mean, so much of my life involves starting out with an app on my iPhone, it seems like. But the one I chose to use is called Lose It. Um, and they have a website at loseit.com. And I think this app is just fantastic. Um, it's free. Um, they do have a premium version. Um, although I, I have not subscribed to it, I probably will at some point. And the way Lose It works is it's, it's really a calorie counter at, at its heart. And so uh, it's got a nice 
large database, including everything from, you know, cereals, you know, breakfast cereals to McDonald's French fries of, of calorie uh, counts for various foods that you're going to come across while you're out. And the idea behind it is you write down everything you eat. And this to me is and, a really and by right. You mean input into the. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it used to be years ago, you would carry a little notepad and you'd write down. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that know a lot more about this than I do that say calorie counting is not the way to go. And, you know, there's better ways to do this. And, and like, I'm, if we had Dan on here, he'd be talking about what is that diet he's uh, Paleo. on? Paleo. I'm sure, Paleo. He, you know, there's Anything a lot of people a say. can eat, I think. Yeah, something like that. So, but for me, uh, I got to tell you, I just, I didn't want to limit myself to, cut out certain categories of foods because when I tried that with Adkins, I was in misery. So I said, I want to do a diet where I can eat anything I want. I just have to govern how much I stick in my mouth. So this seemed like a good place to start. So I got to lose it. And it's really great. And in addition, it's got some really nice tools for just the tracking of food. So the first thing, it's got this huge database. So when I go to Pollo Loco and get a chicken breast, it's in there and I can just input it. Um, it's also got the ability to create your own foods. So if you go somewhere and, you know, it's like a small mom and pop restaurant, but they've got something you really like, you can usually puzzle together the calorie counts, you know, by looking at other, you know, like you have spaghetti and meatballs, you can figure it out. And then you can put it in there and create it as a separate entry. So if you like going back to that place, you don't have to do it again. You can go back and see it from your history. Another thing that it's got that's really trick is it's got a, a barcode scanner. So um, if you're sitting eating breakfast and you have some new cereal and uh, maybe it's already in the database or I'm not even sure. Maybe even if it's not, I guess it would have to be in the database, but you can just scan the barcode and it will go find the uh, necessary calorie data. And, you know, and I'm pretty sure that this works even on stuff that's not in the database. Cause over the weekend we were at a relative's house and they had, um, some cheese from Ralph's, you know, Ralph's supermarket cheese. And I scanned it and it figured out the exact calorie count that was on the label. So I don't know I, how that works. I, I've tried this too. And it's, it's been pretty accurate. It, it's a little bit off sometimes. I, I think it's got to be in the database. I, I don't think it's getting that information out of the barcode, I'm, but I, it's got to be in the database. I don't think that information is stored in the barcode. Well, if I was a better podcaster, I would know the answer to that already, but I'm yeah. not. So uh, uh, either way, so Lose It, the first thing Lose It does is it tracks your food. And this is huge. And, and when you go in it, you kind of set up your account when you first open the app. And you say, okay, I'm David, and I'm chunky, and I have 205 pounds, and I want to get to 170 pounds. And and then it asks how aggressively you want to do it. I think you can pick between one pound a week to two pounds a week, I think, is the max. And then it says, okay, well, then you should probably eat around X calories a day. And then every day as you put your food in, it just kind of ticks down how, how many calories you have left. And this is really great. You know, I, I think that um, having the ability to kind of keep track of myself as I go through the day is really nice. And then I would, I would kind of plan my day. Like if I knew I was going to be going out to dinner with my family, I would go to like – just have a salad for lunch, a very simple, low-calorie lunch. And and it really did kind of change the way I I think about it. You know, what was it, the word I used in the last show, neuroplasticity? You, you start to kind of develop new grooves in your brain, and you start to, to plan how you're going to eat. And it's really great, too, because when there's stuff around the office, you know, somebody brings in a bowl of cookies, and you're like, 
oh, that's great, but that's like 150 calories for one cookie. And, you know, it's not worth it. And, you know, it's the first time I find myself thinking about that stuff. And it, it really helped me reprogram the way I eat. I mean, one of my big problems was the drive home. And I don't know if it's stress-related or what, but it's very easy for me on my 30-minute drive home to get a bag of French fries or a potato chip or something like that, you know. And when I started tracking calories, that stuff just stopped, you know. I'd go to the market and buy a bag of apples, and I'd bring one to eat with me in the car on the way home. I guess I'd just be hungry because I've been working all day. And I just made it easier to eat something healthier with lower calories. And so Lose It, that that's the first thing it does. The other thing it does is it tracks your exercise and your weight. So, And you can do that manually. You know, Just when you open the app every day, you just type in your weight, and it creates a nice little graph for you. And and tells you how you're doing. And then you can also track your exercise. And that's another piece of it for me. Um, and I'll, I'm going to come back to lose it, but now I'm going to go to the next bit of geek technology I bought. And that was a Fitbit. And um, Fitbit is a little device that you can clip on your belt or stick in your pocket. And it's really just a pedometer is, you know, at its heart, uh, it tracks every step you take during the day. And, you know, for my health, uh, regime. I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to exercise, but I knew, like I said, I wasn't going to join a club. Like you're in a club, right? Oh yeah. Okay. So I, that's just not me. And honestly, I don't have time for that stuff. I got my kids. I got these books I'm writing. I got my day job. I got the podcast. I, I just don't see myself as a gym guy. And I'm just, I've just never been comfortable in the, those environments. I, I'm not sure what the story is behind that, but either way, that's maybe, maybe not I'll me. change your mind a little bit. Well, either way. Um, so, but I, I knew I wanted to exercise. So I did a couple things. I got on the, the online and I started reading about body weight exercises, you know, where you do push-ups and pull-ups and just things using your own weight to, you know, create some resistance and, and work on your muscles. And since I had so much weight to go around, that seemed like a natural to me. And so I, I, I get up and I do push-ups. I've got like um, a couple things. I do a burpees and a couple other things in the morning. So I've got kind of a bit of an exercise regime. I just do in my family room. Um, and it all just uses my own weight. But I also thought, you know, for, I wanted to walk a lot, you know, I wanted, I just wanted to think about things I do every day where I could get more exercise and I'm not. So my building, my office is on the third floor of my building. I, I can't remember the last time I rode the elevator. So I just decided, okay, elevators like kryptonite. I'm just going to walk up the stairs wherever I go. The uh, orange County courthouse. Sometimes I'm on the seventh floor and I just leave early enough that I can, you know, get myself to the top. And so I, I'm doing a lot of uh, climbing stairs and walking. When I go to the mall, I park really far and just walk. And every day when I go to lunch, I walk to lunch. There's a couple places within a mile of my office. And uh, there's a couple of other places that are even a little closer that sell healthy food. So if I want to get away out of the office, I can just walk down there. And depending on how much time I have, I can either do two miles or one mile, you know, if I go, for, depending on which place I go. Um, so I, I started walking everywhere and I wanted to track all that stuff. So I got myself a Fitbit. And in addition to tracking your steps, the Fitbit also tracks uh, the number of stairs you climb. And um, and I, I just, I love to climb stairs now. You know, it's like when I go to the bathroom, I am, um, there's four floors in my building. I'm on the third floor. I go to the bathroom. I, I go upstairs, use the bathroom on the fourth floor. Then I walk all the way down to the bottom floor, then all the way back up to my, to my office. So, you know, <laughs> a couple times a day, I walk all the stairs in the building. And sometimes when I'm just 
you know, flummoxed and I just need a break, I'll just go out and walk a mile and then come back. So I'm always walking and climbing stairs and the Fitbit's a great way to do that. And, uh, so I, I know you got one and you didn't like it very much. Yeah. Yeah. You want me to talk about that now or you want me to talk about that a little later when I talk um, about my routine? This, I think this is probably a good time to talk about it. Okay. Well, I, I got a Fitbit and I tried it for a couple of weeks. So I got the new Fitbit one. Um, which may, I don't know which version you have. It's a little bit newer version. This it doesn't do anything different in terms of, of, of tracking or, or the sensors that it has. But the big difference with the new Fitbit one is it syncs via Bluetooth, um, to your, to your various, um, devices. And, and so I don't think the old one does that. And I thought, okay, well, this is a good time to, to try the Fitbit. And, Unlike you, I don't walk everywhere. I don't have any stairs in my building. I don't have any place near enough to my office that I can walk to lunch and walk back or or even just walk around where we're not really even in a we're just kind of in a building by ourselves. So in, unless I, you know, make a point, which I do occasionally to, okay, I'm going to go in a walk around my neighborhood, I, I don't have any place in my job where I can get out and walk around. I, I do a couple of laps, you know, around the building going to various people's offices throughout the day, but... Um, I, I just don't get out that much. And that's partly why I joined the gym and why I decided to do the gym membership thing. But I just found the the Fitbit to be very inaccurate for the type of stuff that I was doing. Um, you know, I'm doing elliptical machines. I'm doing weights. I'm doing Stairmaster machines. I mean, I'm sitting here working with my personal trainer and I must have gotten off and gotten on and gotten off and gotten on and gotten off and gotten on, um, you know, this box doing these stair-stepping exercises a hundred times one freaking day when I was wearing that darn Fitbit. And I looked at that thing and it's just sitting there staring at me, telling me zero for the stair climber. Well, see, that's interesting. So, the And I'm like, oh, you, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, you don't like it because it's under-reporting you. And it's like, <laughs> hey, I'm working really hard. And if you're not showing that, I, I'm angry at you, little technology. Right. Um, and 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 it was – here's the other thing. It was under-reporting when I really was working, but it was over-reporting when I wasn't doing anything. Like when it came to me, it had something like 1,500 steps on it, like right out of the box that I could never get rid of. I think it was like when the UPS guy was driving it to my door. It was yeah, just a I, I do think it overreports sometimes, um, um, but it's all relative. So I, I don't really mind, and I, I'm not looking for anything scientific. I, I'd like to walk ten thousand steps a day, and I think it, you know, it does a pretty good job of telling me when I'm in that ballpark. Um, like today, I can see, you know, we're recording this at ten a.m. I was outside working in the yard. I've already got two thousand steps, and I've got four stairs because I have two floors in my house. I've been up and down the stairs four times, and that's accurate. And I think the step sounds about accurate. Um, I don't think that this is scientifically accurate, though. And I know some people who have used these have complained that it's overreporting that they're getting more steps than they actually make. So I don't know. I, I know one time I went to Angel Stadium here in Orange County, and you know, I went up and down the escalators and I walk on escalators too. And the, um, and it had reported some insane number of steps I went up that day and I knew that was wrong, but you know, I, I don't get hung up on it. And to be honest with you, I don't even really, cause everything, the nice thing about the Fitbit is it's got a website and uh, mine is the older one. I've got a little base unit that plugs into my Mac. So when I walk in the door in the house, it, connects with it and tells it, you know, what I've done. So everything gets updated and they also have an iOS app so I can track it there. And when I first got the Fitbit, I was tracking that much more carefully, you know, in terms of looking at my charts and things on Fitbit. Now, mainly, I use it just to pull out of my pocket as I'm going through the day to see how I'm doing. It's interesting to me because I have, like, in my office, I have the ability to pace. And as I've said in the show before, I, I, I like to dictate. I like to walk around, and it helps me think, I guess, or I'm just a little bit insane. But um, 
like I had a case that went sideways. We were on the verge of settling a, a multi-million dollar case. It was a big deal. And one of the executives at the company on the other side just went a little crazy and it looked like it wasn't going to happen. I spent like a whole morning on the phone and, and I looked down at my Fitbit when I went to go to lunch and I was at like 11,000 steps <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I totally believe it. Cause I, I must've done a thousand laps around my desk that day talking to all these people trying to put this thing back together. And uh, so it, I don't know. I, I think the Fitbit works for me. I, I don't think it's magical. I know that there's other competing devices. We're going to talk about those in a little bit. Um, but you know, for something that just gives you a pretty good idea of how you're doing in terms of steps and walking, if you're going to include that in your regimen, I'd buy one, and they're hundred bucks. Well, they, they can be even less than that. They've got the little Fitbit Zip now, which is only sixty. Oh, really? So yeah. great. So, so Daisy's interested too. So I just bought her one uh, for Christmas. So she's going to start doing it too. So I think that'll actually be good for me because now I'll have someone to share the data with and talk about. So that, and that's something we'll talk about in a little bit too. I think uh, including other geeks is a really good idea. But you know what? We've gone along enough. Let's talk about uh, our first sponsor. Yeah. And- we want to welcome them back to uh, Mac Power users. And that is Daisy Disk. Uh, an, an app that I use all the time and uh, was using again just over the holidays trying to clean out some cruft. And Daisy Disk is just superior disk management for your Mac. What you do is you go in and you scan your Mac's hard drive, you scan external hard drives, uh, scan whatever kind of hard drives you want. And what it will give you is this gorgeous, intuitive uh map of concentric circles showing you exactly where all of the space on your hard drive is going. If you got a big blob of green over here, you can go uh, run your mouse over and we'll tell you, okay, well, this is your home folder. Well, let's dig down and see, okay, this is your music folder. Let's dig down and see, oh, those are all my, everything in my Billy Joel, uh, you know, library in there. So that's, that's what that's all about. Or maybe you've forgotten to, to leave, um, Maybe you've forgotten to pull a, an iMovie project out. I, I had an issue where I've been importing a bunch of these photos for these family photos into um, iPhoto. So I've been I've been scanning them. I've been pulling them onto my hard drive. I thought I had most of these stuff on my NAS, but I didn't. And I found a couple of folders that I had on my internal hard drive. And I've got all this stuff duplicated both in my iPhoto library and in my hard drive. So I was looking at my available hard drive space one day, and it was lower than it normally is. And sure enough, Daisy just showed me that I had duplicates of all of these these photos that I not only had them in my iPhoto library, but I also had the original photos um, still just hanging around on my hard drive. And at a glance, I could tell those things. Yeah, it's a fantastic product. You can get it in the Mac App Store, just $10. It used right. to be 20 I, I paid double that, so you're going to get a good deal. And um, it's just, you know, if you need to manage your drive, this is a really great product, especially now that everybody's using these SSDs. And I use it all the time. I've got it open at least once a week on this iMac where I'm constantly battling my hard drive space and it makes it fun. So go check it out. And it's in the Mac app store. Like I said, 10 bucks. And if you do like it, drop them a note and tell them you heard about it from us. Yeah. You can also buy it individually. You can find more information at daisydiscapp.com. And thanks to Daisy disc for their continued support of Mac power users. Okay. So you've got the Fitbit and then you've got the lose it. And now, these two things can talk to each other, and this is a really nice benefit. So before I bought the Fitbit, I was using, you know, Lusa was my first step into this process. And and I would every day write down things like walk for 30 minutes, and it would put a calorie count in there for me. 
And with the Fitbit, what it does is it, it, it talks to the database at LoseIt. And once you hit a certain threshold, you know, because the LoseIt application assumes you're going to do certain things like get out of bed and walk around. So it's already taken into a, an account that you're going to burn so many calories just, you know, being a human and getting through your day. Uh, but once you get over a certain threshold, then the Fitbit calories start to weigh in. So then it actually reduces your calorie count for the day by the amount of walking you're doing. So uh, you can look down at lose it if you've got this hooked up together and you can see that you've got a certain number of calories that came off your day just from the amount of exercise you do. Like well, I, I uh, think you said that backwards. It actually adds back calories. So you, yes. can eat, you can eat more because you've, you've done additional activity if you choose yeah. to. Well, I mean, I, it reflects that you've burned a certain number of calories from that. And like, you know, we, we're, once again, we're in Orange County, we have Disney passes. My wife and I both work there, so we're big Disney fans. And we go in and, um, and when we go to Disneyland, we walk a lot and it's great. Cause then I look at Fitbit at the end of the day or I look at lose it and I can see that, oh yeah, that's good. So when I eat the spaghetti, I don't feel quite as bad that day. Cause I know I, I did burn quite a few calories while I was there. So it all works together. And for me, that's, a real key element to all of this is having these things kind of automate themselves. So I don't have to micromanage them, but I still get the, you know, the little bit of um, joy that you see from watching the weight go down and seeing all the statistics and the numbers work. And like I said, I'm gaming this stuff. And the more I turn it into a game for me, the more likely I am to continue doing it. And tell me about this $150 scale you've got, because that just boggles my mind. Yeah, so that's the that was the biggest expense I spent on all of this. And after I and I didn't do that immediately. Uh it's called the Withing scale. And we've got it in the show notes and you know, I I don't remember exactly. I think I paid $170 for it actually. I'll look it up. But um I got it on Amazon and and everybody was talking about it. I I think I heard Leo Laporte talk about it once or somebody and and it, it was a it was a Wi-Fi friendly scale. And the scale that we had was junk. We'd had it for years and, you know, it wasn't, it just, I wasn't convinced it was entirely accurate and I wanted to get a new scale I knew, but I said, well, do I go and crazy and buy this fancy one? Well, I did. And, um, this was in like July or so, maybe it was even earlier than that of 2012. So I bought the scale and it's really interesting. You plug it in and you actually connect it to your Mac the first time you use it because you need to input your Wi-Fi password. And it looks to me like it's not an in-speed. It's, it's, um, I think it's a G-speed. Uh, so if you've only got in-speed in your house, I thought that was one of the complaints I had. Because at the time, I was running uh, two different speed networks in the house, and I had to connect it to the slower one. It didn't see the faster one. But other than that, it's a really nice-looking scale. It's a digital scale. And when you stand on it in the morning, it tells you your weight and some other statistics. And then it will send that stuff up to the web and they've got a website connected to the scale and you can have multiple people in your home use it. It it knows the difference. Um, if you've got two people, um, that are around the same weight, it actually has a way to allow you to discern between them. And, and it's just a great idea in terms of just automatically reporting the weight. Now, is this really necessary? Absolutely not. I mean, I could stand on my old crappy scale and just look down at the number, try and figure out where the dial's pointing, and then open, lose it, and type it in. But once again, I'm a geek, and I wanted this stuff to become more fun for me. And so I did it. So I bought the scale. Um, now, I understand you didn't do that. 
No, no, no. 150 bucks for scale was a little over the top even for me. Okay, so you said you had a better solution. Well, well, I guess what the other question I was trying to get is, is what does this scale do other than just post your weight to the website that you can go check? Well, I mean, it, track of it I connects mean, to it connects to lose it for okay, one. Okay. So when I open lose it, the weight's already reported. Um, it, you can also do a lot of social stuff with it. I mean, if you wanted to tweet it out or do, uh, and I, I haven't turned any of that stuff. Oh on. no, I mean, no, no, no. Yeah. Although, if you wanted motivation, I mean, I could see that making a difference, but I, I just can't imagine throwing my weight at people who follow me on Twitter. That seems so unfollow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the uh, but it's a good idea. And oh, another thing it connects to is if this, then that. So, like, if if I hit a certain weight, it sends me a text message mocking me. You know, I did. Oh, that oh, up. oh, oh! You know what you could do? You could set it up to if this, then that, and connect it to your Wemo and have your Wemo like plugged into your refrigerator or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking just a light, but the refrigerator is a better idea. You know, so what you're saying is, if I ever get to 200 pounds again, all my meat's going to go bad. There you go. It's going to disconnect your refrigerator. Or <laughs> well, it, it, you know, if this, then that is just an amazing service. But so this is another pipe in the if this, then that you know, system. And, and I didn't, you know, I actually sat down and tried to think of creative ways to use it. And at the end, I just made up a couple funny text messages that, you know, hopefully I never see. Okay. Well, um, it's, it, it, you know, I'm happy with it though. I, I don't mind spending the money. Um, like I said, I don't belong to a club or anything. And I think, so the total money I'm into for this whole process is about, 250 bucks it's the scale and the the fitbit and i think they were both great investments because at the end of the day now i'm down to 180 pounds i've lost 25 pounds although i just got on the scale this morning and because of christmas and new year's i'm actually 182 pounds now but i'm gonna fix that it happens yeah well i gotta say you are total out a whole lot less money than i am so maybe you're gonna come out on the this the smarter of the the two in in all of this but I kind of went a, a totally different direction for all of this, but I in, instead of using tech as my, um, you know, more of my primary devices, I, I I use tech in more of a supporting role for all of this. Um, you know, the the bottom line for me is that you know it it wasn't any one particular event that that prompted me. Okay, it, it was just for me, it was a long time coming. I I had just had enough, and and maybe the the catalyst that finally prompted me to I have got to do something is I just I I went on a business trip, and was just you know uncomfortable. It's like my gosh, everything on this trip would be easier if uh, you know if I could drop a few pounds. So that was basically the the catalyst for me. And I took a more, a more low tech approach to this. And partly because that's what's, that's what's worked for me in the past. I'm, I'm pretty good at following directions. You know, I, I, I'm for whatever reason, there are a lot of things that I won't do on my own, but if somebody tells me to do it, even, even though I know they're the right things to do, but if somebody tells me to do it and if somebody's guiding me and, and somebody's checking up on me, it will keep me on track. So I bit the bullet and, and this has worked for me. I don't know if it's going to work for everybody else. I don't know if I would recommend it for everybody else. Um, I'd been a member of a gym for a while. and was kind of one of those things where I bought the membership and went maybe a couple times a month. And if that sometimes, and finally I just signed up for personal training and I, I meet with a trainer twice a week. And when I first signed up for it, I honestly thought, okay, this is something I'm going to do for a couple of months just to get on the right track. And then I'm going to, 
you know, back off. I'm going to have somebody show me what to do and, and then I'm going to back off because it is, it is not cheap. It is, you know, really expensive to, to hire a personal trainer. And the more I got into it and it was really, really working for me, the more I realized, okay, this is what's keeping me honest. This is what's keeping me staying on track. And so I just, I just re-upped it this week for another six months. So we'll, uh, we'll see where we go by then. But that personal trainer, um, at, at my gym in particular, they, um, they, they're trained in a whole lot of things. They, they do not only the weight training and the exercises, but they're also trained in nutrition. So they, in, instead of just, you know, killing you every time they see you, they try to talk about, you know, let's look at your food diary. Let's see what you're eating. What are your goals? And I've just seen an overall, you know, in addition to losing weight, which was my primary motivation to do this, I've just seen an overall improvement in my health and how I feel. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping better at night. I'm, um, I've, I have more balance. I have more stamina. I'm just able, you know, little things like, you know, just getting up out of a chair, getting up off the floor or climbing under a desk to go plug something in. I mean, those are, those are no big deals. And, um, just everyday life tasks. I mean, I've gotten a lot stronger when I was helping my brother move a couple of months ago, um, you know, in the middle of the summer, Nobody likes doing that types of things, but, you know, I was grabbing boxes and running up and down stairs with, with no trouble. And I knew a few months earlier that would have been a really big deal. So it's kind of taking this, um, through the personal trainer, using her as the catalyst, this multi-level approach to, um, you know, nutrition, but, um, the, the tech has really helped me stay on track because I can't see my personal trainer every day. So I've used the tech to keep me accountable. Well, when I think about 25 pounds, I mean, it's like, that's a lot to carry. I mean, just pick up 25 pound bag. And I was carrying that around when I started this thing. I just can't get over it, honestly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I still want to lose another 10 or 15 pounds. And yeah, I'm not going to go nuts with this stuff. I don't want to become really, really skinny. I just want to be fit and, you know, feel better. It's interesting. I think as a lot of us geeks, we have, there's like two body styles. We're like either like rail thin or overweight. And when I was a kid, I was always rail thin. And at some point, you know, <laughs> something switched. Um, yeah. And I want to come back to the idea of sleeping too, because I think that's kind of relevant to the show. Um, but, but with respect to your own, own journey, so it sounds like the tech stuff really didn't make that much of a difference for you. Cause for me, it made all the difference. The ability to open my iPhone and, and fiddle with this stuff, it really helps me uh, stay on it. No, I won't say that it didn't make a difference. And, and let me give you some examples of how it did. Um, because what I do is I meet with a personal trainer twice a week, and at least once a week she wants to check my food diary. Well, you know where that is? It's in Lose It. Yeah. Um, and I, I input it on my iPhone, but she wants to see some kind of paper diary. So, you know, once a week before I go see her, I go onto the website and I kill some trees and I, I print it out. And the first time I showed it to her, she was all impressed. She was like, whoa, you, this is, you're really keeping track of everything. And I'm like... Uh, yeah, there's an app for that. You know, she's got this old crappy beat up Blackberry that I make fun of her for, for carrying around. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you really do. I mean, one of the keys to doing this is, is keeping track of every single thing that, that goes into your mouth and tracking every bite keeps you honest and, and it lets you see where your problem areas are. I mean, that was one, be one thing I'd really like to see added to the Fitbit app or the, uh, lose it app is, is time of day when well, you eat things. But, you know, it's funny because, I've I've gained a little weight over the holidays and I have not been religious about tracking food. And so every time I stop tracking for any reason, I gain weight. That's just 
an automatic for me. Yeah. Um, and then, so th- that's, that's how lose it has helped. Cause I, I only see this, this lady twice a week and once a week I'm, I'm showing her my lose it diary. Um, the other thing I do is I, I did get a good scale. Now the one that I put in the show notes is called the, um, eat smart precision bathroom scale. And I just liked it because it's, if you put in scale on Amazon, it's the first one that popped up and it had very good reviews and it was 30 bucks. So I picked it up. It is incredibly low tech. I think it has a couple of AA batteries and that is the extent of its technology. And those batteries have lasted me a really long time. And the reason I liked it is because I had had a couple of other digital scales before. This one is big. It's easy to read. You can read it first thing in the morning when you're groggy. It's got a nice big backlight and it's got a, you know, nice, pretty look to it that will go with pretty much any decor. But what I liked about it is that you can step on that thing, you know, 10 different times and get the exact same reading. I had another digital bathroom scale that I had before this. And it was like, depending on the way that you stepped on it, you could vary by like a pound and a half, depending on how you stepped on it. And that was yeah. very bizarre. You know, I just went and looked while we were talking and the, the Withing scale is 135 bucks on Amazon. So it's cheaper than I remembered it being, or it's got cheaper. Yeah. Um, now I do keep track of all that information. You can, you can keep track of it in the Lose It app. Um, there's also a, a nice app called WeightBot, which is made by the TapBots guys. Yeah. That I've been using to track. And usually I track and lose it once a week. And that's kind of my, you know, official weigh-in I do once a week. But if I'm going to weigh myself more than that, I'll I'll track it in WeightBot. Just because I do like to track trends and see how things go up and down. You know, if I have a little bit of spike, I think about, okay, well, you know, am I just kind of retaining water because I ate something that was really salty last night? And it kind of gives me an idea of allowing to see, you know, just just where things tend to trend and where things tend to sit based on what I've been doing. And WeightBot will sync with those fancy scales. I think it will sync with your Withing scale. Yeah, it does. It does. But um, So I, I use that too. And I, I run that just because I think it's pretty. You know, but I I really lose it's where I I do the hard work. Um, and then I did try the Fitbit, but you know, like I said, my experience with it wasn't great, and I think that's primarily because most of of my exercise routine and my regimen is very structured. You know, I'm picking a time to go to the gym, and I'm 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 working out very hard for an hour to an hour and a half, but I'm not doing a whole lot. Otherwise, I'm not doing a whole lot of walking or, or anything else. And I'm not saying that one is necessarily better than the other. They're just different. And I think the Fitbit is much more um, tuned into tracking the type of exercise that you're doing, whereas there are other tools and other, you know, I don't know how good those readouts or displays are on the gym equipment that will tell you, you know, when you input your weight and your age and it will tell you after it takes your heart rate how many calories you've burned on those machines. I'm sure those aren't great in terms of accuracy either. But um, I I just felt like for the types of things that I was doing, that the Fitbit was, you know, greatly over-reporting and greatly under-reporting other things. And um, for the type of stuff that I was doing, I was just, I would be better off entering it manually and lose it or getting the readings off the gym equipment. Yeah. Well, I, I, I see where you're coming from. The other thing I do, I didn't mention on kind of my end of this thing was I do a lot of swimming. We have a, a pool in our association and I get up and go down there and swim laps in the mornings. Although they're in the winter, I don't do it as much cause it's just too cold. But, and that's something where I just, I just enter that exercise and lose it and say, okay, I swam for 30 minutes or whatever. And, um, the other thing that's been a big piece of this is just the iPod. And for me, my gym iPod is my iPod shuffle. 
but especially spending time on the elliptical machine, spending time on the bicycle, um, having music and podcasts that can help pass that time has really made my workout time, you know, more productive. And music discovery has been really important. One thing that I've added to my gym regimen recently, and again, I think it's part of that. I follow directions. Well, well, if somebody tells me what to do, I'll do it. Whereas I won't necessarily go out and do it myself, even though I know it's what I'm supposed to do is, um, I've, I've joined a spin class and I'm spinning two days a week now. And the first month I've hated it. The second month it was okay. And now I'm kind of in my third month and I don't like to miss it. I don't know what spinning is. What is that? Oh, you should Google it. Spinning is, um, think of it, it's, it's an aerobic activity. It's, you have an instructor who's on a bike, it's a uh, stationary bicycles. Okay. So you have a whole room of stationary bicycles, usually with an instructor up front who's guiding the class. And it is for about 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes longer, depending on the class. And you adjust the um, resistance on the stationary bicycle based on, you know, usually it's very high intensity music. So sometimes you adjust it so you're climbing up a hill. Sometimes you adjust it down so that you're, um, you know, doing speed work. And you adjust the settings on the bicycle based in part on what the instructor is telling you based on the music. And it's it's pretty intense. It can be. It's very intense stationary cycling. Hmm. Uh, well, to, see, to I, very I, upbeat music. Yeah, see, I don't think I'm doing as much exercise as you are. So that's something I could probably work on in 2013. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking as you were going through your, your day, um, and, and cert- it sounds like you have a lot of little interruptions to your day to exercise, whereas I just take off for an hour to an hour and a half and go do it. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't know if, if you're spending more time than me or if I'm spending more time than you. I, it probably all evens out in the end. Uh, I think you're doing more than me, frankly, but it's good. It's good. So, Hey, let's talk about our next sponsor, uh, Fujitsu. So Fujitsu makes this ScanSnap scanner, which Katie and I both just love, and we're thrilled to have them as a sponsor. Um, you can get uh, Fujitsu scanners for just about any need you've got. They've got the small 1100, which fits in your, fits in your bag you know, and uh, runs off USB power up to the S1500, which is the one that sits on your desk and can zip through 50 sheets at a time like nobody's business. And the thing I've always said about Fujitsu, because people write me sometimes say, well, what about this other brand, uh, is that these guys really love Apple, Apple technology. They support the Mac, and the software they have is just fantastic. For instance, um, I have a bunch of rules I run through Hazel. And I talked about this in the paperless book, and we've already covered it in the podcast, but Hazel's this amazing app that will look at documents and auto-file them for you. Well, the Fujitsu ScanSnap software um, the ScanSnap Manager application has some really great OCR, optical character recognition technology, turned on. So you literally flip a bit in the settings, and then everything you scan in with the scanner is going to automatically have the text readable by the computer. And because your Mac can read the text, uh, Hazel can also read it, and Hazel can be watching those files. And if it sees one that says water bill on it, it will rename it water bill and save it to your water bill folder. And you have to see it to believe it. But so for my paperless workflow, a lot of the stuff I do is I stick a piece of paper in the Fujitsu, I press the blue button, and that's the last thing I ever do. Because using the Fujitsu software, it runs the OCR, and then using Hazel, it automatically names and files it for me. Um, so th- this is just a great piece of kit if you want to get serious about putting paper into your computer. Um, in addition to the 1500 I talked about, there's the middle one, the S11, uh, the S1300i. Uh, and that one works on both the Mac and the PC. 
and uh, it, it's a little smaller than the big desktop one. You can fit it in your desk if you want to just use it temporarily. Uh, you can also take it on the road with you. It's got a sheet feeder. It can hold up to 10 sheets. But if you want to get serious about paperless, and this is another thing people are talking about with the new year, get yourself a Fujitsu scan snap scanner, and you'll never regret it. Yeah, and you can let them know that we sent you by using the link on our website or go to ez.com slash SSMPU. That stands for ScanSnap NPU. And thanks to Fujitsu for their continued support of Mac Power users. All right, so let's talk about two things. I want to talk about some tools that we didn't personally use, but are things we could talk about that people may be interested in. And I also want to talk about sleep because you, you raise something. It's not in the outline, Katie. I'm calling it audible, but this is, I think it fits. And, uh, and I have some thoughts on that. So let's start with the other tools. All right. Well, actually I want to, I want to talk about a tool that I've used in the past, but I'm not currently using um, that. I think some of our friends have, have lost a lot of, of, of weight with, and that is the Weight Watchers Online kind of kind of whole group of systems. And I know when you when you think about Weight Watchers Online, you you probably think of, um, you know, maybe there's this stereotypical vision of older women or something like that. Um, but they really do have a comprehensive suite of online tools, and yeah, I, they've got kind of this secret formula where they calculate and put a point value to different types of foods. And so instead of your bagel having, I don't know, I'm making things up, but instead of your your bagel having 150 calories and 43 carbs, that's probably totally inaccurate, I don't know. Um, but instead of, of looking at a bagel that way, it says, okay, well, that bagel has a points value of three. And it's come up with this points value by taking into consideration things like the calories, the carbs, the fat content. So it kind of takes all of this uh, complex math and figures out the types of foods and the types of breakdowns of food that you're supposed to be eating and and breaks it down to this simple number. So you just, all you've got to remember is, okay, I had three points this morning when I ate that bagel, add another two for the cream cheese. So I had a total of five and, and they're pretty easy to keep track of your head. Um, but, but they've gotten pretty high tech recently and they've introduced, um, Number one, an entirely online program. Most people are probably familiar with Weight Watchers meetings where you would go once a week and sit in a room and hear a little rah-rah story and all those types of things. And that certainly has worked very well for a lot of people, and I certainly don't mean to downplay that. But they now, which is probably more appropriate for geeks like us, have a totally online program where you can track your food, you can track your points, you can track your exercise all online, either through a series of web apps or their iPhone and iPad apps. They've got their own menu builders, their recipe ideas. They've got a pretty active forum, which is kind of a support community that's in place of these weekly meetings. So in in place of kind of all these other tools that that we have cobbled together, uh, what what they're trying to be is kind of this one-stop online shop that follows the Weight Watchers philosophy and the Weight Watchers system. And I know several people who have been very successful um, in losing weight, losing using both that system and that suite of product. We have I know several friends uh, and fellow podcasters who've used Weight Watchers online successfully. And you know, really, this stuff isn't rocket science. I mean, I feel like you know, like when we're talking about the lack of accuracy on the Fitbit or not getting the exact number of calories right when I go to some mom and pop restaurant. I don't think I need to be exactly down to the, you know, exact calorie. I just need to be in the ballpark with this stuff. And 
And Weight Watchers is a great solution, I think, for people. Like you said, it makes it easy to keep track of the points. I've never had any experience with it, but uh, if Lose It didn't work for me, I would be looking at something like that. Yeah. Um, and then there are other hardware devices, too. Uh, you like the Fitbit, but there's also the Nike Fuel Band, which has a, a pretty devoted following, as well as the Jawbone Up. The The reason that I'm not as keen on those products is just because they're both wristband-type products. Yeah. And I personally don't like wristband-type products, but I put a couple links in the show notes. Um, Molly Wood of CNET did a pretty comprehensive review of the Nike Fuel Band versus the Fitbit. And yeah, she really is- liked the fuel band. Um, and the Jawbone Up was released, I think, last year, had a lot of problems. They pulled it from the market, and then it's been re-released recently. So we'll see. Yeah, it, it's interesting. So the fuel band looks really cool. I think it's like got an OLED screen on it, and it's um, – I, you know, I don't know all the details of it because it's it's kind of new to the field since I've already kind of got set with my Fitbit. But – and, and Nike makes it, so it must be a great product. You know, like they have an app on the uh, the iPhone and the iPod that talks to you while you run, and they've got that thing you put in your shoe. I mean, there's Nike really has embraced technology with some of their products. Yeah, but, but surprisingly, those are completely different lines. They don't talk to the fuel band. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, and see, the Jawbone, I was actually, I knew I had a problem last December in 2011, and the Jawbone Up, I was watching that. Um, very carefully as that was coming out because I thought that would be a really great product because it does, you know, it, it tracks your steps. It also wakes you up by vibrating on your wrist. And I thought, you know, that looks like a really neat idea. And when it came out, people were t- raving about it for about a week. And then it was just legendary. All They just started bricking themselves and everybody was really upset. And the people who wrote positive reviews were then writing very negative reviews. And, you know, I, I just stood away, which is kind of strange because Jawbone makes such great products. I mean, I love their speakers and their Bluetooth headsets. But the uh, but now they've re- – I think they just kind of, you know, they re- gathered up the forces and they've released one that actually works now. And everybody – I think it's got a much more positive um, – impression from the people that are using them. So I think either one of those could work, but like you, um, I don't really feel comfortable wearing something like that on my wrist in a professional office. And, uh, so I, I just couldn't see myself doing it. You know, the Fitbit, it clips on your belt, but my standard use for it is I just stick it in my pocket. It's just one more little, you know, bobble in my pocket as I walk around during the day and it works just fine that way. So I, I like that it's so small and it, you know, it, it's not so in your face. There's also some apps and uh, there's some really good ones. I think one of my favorites is my fitness pal and that shows you different exercises. And it's a, you know, it's something that, you know, cause I don't have a personal trainer or anything. I've, I've been fiddling with my fitness pal as I try to figure out what types of exercises I'm going to do. Although you really do have me thinking Katie, that I need to, to consider joining a gym. I just don't know when I would find time to set aside for it. Um, actually, David, my fitness pal is the competitor to lose it. So my fitness pal is almost an identical app to lose it. I think the one that you're thinking of that shows you all the different exercises. What is that one? Is a workout trainer. Yes. Yes. Yep. I'm sorry. Yeah. And my fitness pal is, um, a great app. I put a link in the show notes to Don McAllister recently covered it on screencast online. Yeah. And um, has a pretty extensive review on it. It's a very similar idea to lose it. You you log in your weight. You log in um, the foods that you're eating. You log in the exercise you're doing. 
I haven't used it much just because I'm I'm so ingrained into the lose it system. But what I have found is that my fitness pal and I don't know how accurate this is because I think they're probably user submissions, tends to have a larger food database. So if there's something that I'm looking for um, that may be more of a local food or more of a regional thing, like the local grocery store here has some prepared meals that I'm, I, I'm sure maybe if I asked I could find them, but I haven't found them at the grocery store. And I was looking for the nutritional information for that. Couldn't find it on Lose It, couldn't find it on anything like that, but I actually found it in my fitness pal. And I think what you're pulling up there is somebody has contributed that. Now, how accurate it may be, I don't know. But I actually keep my fitness pal on my phone just for a a, a second source of calorie lookup. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I was wrong. I'm looking at my phone now. It's workout trainer. Yeah, yeah. Workout trainer is a good idea to just to give you some ideas of of some exercises that you can do. And there's something I like about the idea of body weight exercises and, and using my chunkiness against me, you know? Um, I don't know. Um, a lot of geeks I have heard are really getting into this P90X workout program. It's uh, I, I think Brett Terpstra was talking about that it was something that he started. I don't think he ever – well, I don't know. I don't know if he ever finished it. But it's it's one of these programs that will walk you through a daily – workout routine, and it can get pretty intense. So if you're looking for something to walk you through a specific routine, P90X is an option. I've also had a lot of friends who have gone through the Couch to 5K program. And, you know, this is for somebody who is going from pretty much a a zero level or sedentary level of activity to wants to get up to the point where they can run a 5K. And there's um, various apps that are based on that same theory or program that, that starts you off kind of slowly, but then at the end of the program, you're you're basically running a 5K. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I don't like running, though, so. Yeah, you know, that's funny for me, too, because I've had some friends that were runners, and they've had all sorts of problems with their knees. So I um I just feel like I just walk. And somewhere I read, and this is a this is another example of us talking about something we really shouldn't be talking about is, you know, you burn the same number of calories as I understand it when you walk a mile or run a mile, just it's a question of how long it takes. And I could be completely off my nut about that, but that, um, that sounds, mm, I don't know about that. Okay. So maybe that's, maybe that's just a, um, an urban legend I heard, but either way, it makes me feel better, but I do walk a lot. Well, that's good. Yes, and I, I don't walk. Good for you. I, I don't walk fast. I just walk, you know, and uh, it's a little bit of a. And and once again, like you, I I can use this phone to listen to a podcast or listen to a book on tape or just think through something or I open drafts and dictate letters or sometimes I just walk. Yeah, that's something I need to work on. I I need to try to get out of the office a little bit more. Maybe at at lunchtime. I I, I almost always eat lunch at my desk, which in and of itself is a problem. But that's the thing about going to the gym that is, has really been a change for me is at least three days a week or three work days a week because I, I work out five days a week, at least three work days a week. And then I, I'm leaving the office, no if, ands, or but. It's an appointment. I'm leaving at 5.15. Now, sometimes I come back after I've worked out, but I'm, I'm leaving the office at 5.15. Yeah. It's so hard when you have kids. Yeah. It's just so hard. You just don't have and a publishing business, and a day job, and a blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I think that the takeaway point from all of this is um, it's possible uh, 
don't be too hard on yourself. Just, you know, find some tools and start working through it. I think a lot of people are so rough on themselves that they stop, you know, just stick it out. You got to be, you know, forgiving to yourself when you occasionally do have a cookie. Um, uh, one thing I think I could have done better with this, and I just, I'm not sure how I feel about it, is the social element. Now there's a lot of social tools. Like, I do have a couple friends in Lose It that are, you know, close friends of mine where they can see my daily calorie count, my weigh-ins, and we can kind of keep each other in check. Um, but I didn't do much of that to begin with. I, I may do some more of that now, but you know, I, I I don't want to make this into a thing. Like, I don't want to be like a Max Sparky thing where it's like, everybody's like checking my weight all the time and stuff. It just seems like it's a little too intrusive. And, and I also think a lot of people, it just, it just sounds kind of weird. And I don't think I want to waste people's time talking about this stuff a lot, but, um, I do think the social element can help people like even just like you that relationship you have with your trainer is a social thing, right? And you don't want to let her down. So you're going to be better about doing whatever it is you need to do. Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, find some friends that you can work through this with. I think that'll help you. And it's the beginning of the year. So people are always, you know, looking for groups and, you know, it's remarkable how many people, you know, when you read the statistics, how many people don't make it through like a program like this, they just can't stick it out or even worse, um, they make it through, but then they just kind of just fall off the wagon. And then in a year or two, they're back to where they began again. And I really don't want to be one of those statistics. And so for me, I think the trick is really turning this into a habit where I do it every day. And it's, it's not that I'm on a diet, I'm just changing my habits and I'm eating better. And that's just what I do now. And if I can do that and get through that, then I'll be okay. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's like kind of the, my new Sunday morning routine now is I get up and I go to 10 a.m. spin class on Sunday mornings instead of going to the pancake house. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. That's, that's good though. Hmm. This isn't, this isn't in the outline, but as part of this whole health thing is sleep, right? Okay. There's a great app that I've been using, um, uh, that helps me sleep. And yeah, and I've looked at a bunch of these. A, a, a year ago, I bought a thing at Macworld, and I was looking for it, and I, I got rid of it. So you can tell how well it worked. It was a sleep device. It was a sleep tracker that you would put around your arm, like a, a, a wrist thing you put on your arm with a little Velcro. And when it was time to wake up, it would buzz on your arm. And then you know, instead of having an audible alarm clock, you'd have this thing buzzing. And you had to go plug it in. In fact, when we do the next ad spot, I'll go get the exact name so I can put it in the show. I didn't like it because it buzzes really hard. And, and the way to turn it off is you've got to like very carefully like thread this USB plug to turn the thing off. And it just wasn't great. However, I did find an app that I like, and it's called Sleep Cycle. And I think it's about two bucks. And the way it works is you turn it on and you lay it on your mattress. I've got a little um, comforter on my mattress, so I put it under the comforter. And you tell what time you want to wake up and you say, you know, I want to be up by five o'clock. But, you know, it, what it does is it tracks your movement. It uses the motion sensor on the bed. And so as you move during the night, it tracks your sleep cycles because, you know, you don't sleep the same throughout the night. And it knows uh, when your cycle is ending around five in the morning. It may be a little bit earlier than that. And it wakes you up at that point, And it really works. I've been using it for about a year. I just love it. It's great. So, uh, in addition to getting what, fit, what? Go ahead. Let me let me understand this. You put you put your iPhone like on your mattress. Yeah, yeah. So it's plugged in to the charger because I charged overnight anyway. And you just lay it down on the mattress. I don't 
keep my iPhone in a cradle at night. I just stick it under the mattress. And the other device, by the way, is Lark. Because I'm looking at my phone, I see the app. I saw the app on my phone. It's called the Lark, L-A-R-K. That one didn't do much for me. You know, every year at Macworld, I spend money on something stupid. And this year, in 2012, I bought this Lark device that you put on your hand and it shakes to wake you up. Uh, I actually prefer the Sleep Cycle, the simple app. It's just a couple bucks. But it, it lays on your bed. And then in the morning, you get more data about how you slept. And it actually scores your sleep. And it tells you if you had a fidgety night. And this stuff is right. I mean, I'm surprised because, you know, I'm not the only person sleeping in my bed. Um, so I would think that, you know, when Daisy moves around, it picks that up too. But I think it's pretty close. So uh, it's another, you know, bit of geekery that I use uh, to become more more healthy. And it's interesting too because, it, it you know, it knows when you went to sleep and when you woke up. And you can look at the numbers, and if you're not getting enough sleep, it's pretty obvious, and that's important. Uh, so it, it gives you another reason to try and get to bed on time and and make everything work. Now, you don't use any of the um, the sleep functionality on the Fitbit? No, I don't. And, and it doesn't have the same type of tracking. You can wear the Fitbit. It comes with a little bracelet, and you can wear it at night if you want. And I've, I, you know, I fiddled with it. I didn't really like it. This uh, the sleep cycle app is the way to go. At nighttime, the Fitbit just goes in the charger. Okay. All right. So let's move on to. I just I just find that I'm sleeping more because I'm exhausted. Yeah. Well, that that helps. But why not collect data? <laughs> We're geeks, remember? That's true. Well, I I think that's about gonna going to close out our, our geek fitness topic, but, but we do have a, a couple other things we want to talk about on this show. The, the first is, is Macworld, and then we want to get to some listener feedback, right? Yeah. But first, yeah. let's talk about the Omni Group, because that kind of relates to Macworld. So you're going to be participating in the Omni Group setup? And, I see you on that list. And the debut. There's two events Omni's doing at the Cartoon uh, Art Museum in San Francisco on January 31. And the first one is called The Setup. And if you have been working with OmniFocus but never really sure how it's all working or you're not completely happy with your setup, uh, first thing you should do is go watch my screencast because they, they're like, I think there's 17 hours of them or something. I don't know. But if you watch 23 those. 23 hours, something like that. Yeah. Or 42. Maybe it's 42. But if you watch those, you, you it's going to get you going. But if you want to get your own personal trainer for OmniFocus – that can happen if you just go sign up for the setup at the Omni Group because they're going to have a bunch of Omni Group uh, support ninjas there that are going to help you get going, get you set up on OmniFocus. In addition to that, there's going to be a bunch of really great geeks there like Sven Fechner and Merlin Mann and uh, Mike Vardy and all these really smart people. And we're going to have a little session where we all talk a little bit about some element of what we like about OmniFocus and how we use it. Then there's going to be a panel. Uh, and then that night they're having a party called the debut where they're going to show off OmniFocus two for the Mac, which is not far away. And uh, me, oh yeah, me and Merlin man and, and, and Ken from Omni are all going to get up on stage and do a little bit about the new version, and they're going to be giving away access to the beta. So uh, it's going to be just 
a lot of fun. And if you uh, if you can't go on the website, you can also sign up for the beta on the website. So go check that out. It's uh, Omni, uh, OmniFocus slash The Debut, I believe. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. But Look, if you the Omni Group is one of those companies. It's it's so similar to Apple in my mind because they sweat every little detail and they make an amazing product and they really improve your life if you figure out you know how to use it right. And uh, this is the chance to go do it. So uh, not only are you going to learn about using OmniFocus, you're going to meet some really nice people and have a great time. So if you're at MacWorld this year, head over there. And if not, get on the web anyway and sign up for some of these betas and things so you can get in on it yourself. Excellent. I well, I will be there, and uh, I look forward to it. Yeah, I think New Year, good time to start doing the OmniFocus thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm so looking forward to meeting these guys too. You know, like, Kul Rashidini is the guy who wrote the book on on OmniFocus. Him and I meet every year because I go to to Chicago. That's where he's from. But Sven Vechner, I mean, I think he's in Germany. I've never met him before, so he's going to be there. It's just going to be a lot of fun. You know, and the Omni Group makes great products. So head over to theomnigroup.com and, and check out everything they do. And we've talked about it in the past. They've been a longtime sponsor and supporter of the show. Things like Omni Outliner and Omni Graffle. But OmniFocus is the app that really helps me keep all my plates in the air. And uh, if you get into it, I, I'm sure it will help you as well. So go ahead and get yourself set up with OmniFocus. If you're going to Macworld, Take some time on the 31st to go over and learn more about it from the Omni Group. And, and definitely say hello to me if you're going to come, because I love, love, love meeting Mac Power Users listeners. Uh, speaking of Macworld, um, we have a, a quick interview with uh, Paul Kent, who is the uh, director of Macworld, uh, Macworld Expo High World, uh, who's going to tell us all about what we can expect at the show. And he has a special announcement about Mac Power Users at, at Macworld that surprised even David and I. So uh, let's take a listen to what he has to say. Okay, so I'm here with Paul uh, Kent from IDG. Now, Paul, you are the chief mucky muck of Macworld. Um, that's your official title, right? Well, it doesn't say that on the business card, but I guess I get called that quite a bit. Yeah, I I mean, to me, you are Macworld, Paul. I mean, for so many years, you have shepherded this conference. And despite the slings and arrows thrown at you over the years, uh, from you know the events like Apple pulling out and everything, all you've done is just turn around and make it better every year. And uh, wow. for that, I'm always thankful for all the hard work you and your staff do. Well, that's such a nice thing to say. It's been an interesting little road that we've been on the last couple of years as the show has reinvented itself. But I think we've kind of broken through. Uh, the satisfaction with last year's show in particular was wonderful as we added all these kind of cultural elements. And this vision that we've had for this kind of cultural arts festival featuring all the interesting things people are doing with Apple technology. It really seems to have come through and uh, we're really looking forward to this year and doing more. Yeah, it really is great. I mean, it, it feels like it's better than ever. And I think everyone I spoke to last year had the same sense from it. Uh, so it's a, it's a great event now. So if you, if you're not aware of it, Macworld is January 31 through uh, February two in San Francisco at Moscone center West. And uh, Katie and I have both been going for years. And I don't know about you, Katie, but for me, every year, Macworld is the re-energizing event of the year for me. I, I love it so much, it's not really right. No, it's better than Christmas. 
it's it's the it's the event that I I look forward to. You got Christmas, and then right after you've got a little break, and then you've got MacWorld coming up, and it's 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 where all the geeks get together. And um, it and it, I think I think you're right, Paul. I think last year was really um a, a turning point in in the the revolutionary year for you guys, where you really evolved into a different type of show, a new type of show, and. Um, if I, I don't, everybody I talked to was, was very pleased with last year's event. I think you're just really, you're really growing on that success this year and, uh, and stepping it up a notch. Well, I appreciate you noticing that Katie. It's, it's been interesting. You know, it's been something that has been very similar for a long time. I mean, this is actually the 29th year that macro has been held. And for so many of those years, the format and the expectations and the new Apple product announcements, you know, that's what the show is about. So it, we really looked at it as an opportunity. How do we take this brand? How do we take this? This once a year meeting of people who are so passionate about the same thing. And how do we do something for them and, and meet their expectations? It took a couple of years for us to get the formula right. But like I said, when we added film festivals and musical elements, and then we added this app area, you know, apps are really the most interesting thing going on in software right now. So when we add this area for app developers to participate, all these kind of cultural meetup, it means a lot to people and it is a lot of fun, but I also think it has tremendous value and it's very useful for people. So uh, we're very happy with the direction the show is going. So if I'm totally new to, to Macworld, and, and I guess we should call it by its proper name, it is Macworld iWorld this year. If, if I'm totally new to Macworld iWorld, I've, I've never been, I haven't booked my tickets yet, or, or maybe I did and, and, and I'm excited and looking forward to coming. What can I expect to find this year? All right, so let's take you through the whole week. The week actually starts on Wednesday, January 30th, where we run a series of seven, we call them pre-event workshops. The workshops cover everything from an introduction to app programming, iOS programming. We have a full day from 8 in the morning till 9 p.m. special event all on iPhone photography called iPhoneography. That's really one of the major themes of the show this year is all the interesting interesting things that people are doing with iPhone photography. We have a full-day workshop on uh, e- ebook production, a full-day workshop on how to use iPhones and iPads to create a video studio. We have a, a, a session for graphic designers called Multipurposing Design, about taking your design, everything from print to, uh, to interactive media. Uh, and then we have a couple for IT administrators, Apple Deployment in Depth, and then Xcode for IT admins, a little more geekier for the networking-type people. But then after Wednesday... We move to Thursday, and Thursday, the trade show, the expo floor opens with all the exhibits. We'll have about 300 exhibitors this year. About 150 of them will be app developers, uh, both OS X app developers and iOS app developers. And this is a really cool area of the show floor. This is, you know, for all the years that people have been coming to Macworld, one of the the most common comments we had was one of their favorite parts of the show floor was finding those new up-and-coming companies. And really, it's those new up-and-coming companies who are now the stars of the show. The types of companies exhibited at Macworld now are the companies who are either first coming to market or have a new product that they're coming to market, or you know the, the hundreds of thousands of app developers will have the cream of the crop. We'll have about 150 app developers that'll be at the show, um, all showing their wares. And you get to talk to the guy who wrote the product. You often get some tips or insights on how to use the product differently. So the show floor is one part of it. And then we've got all these tech talks, all these educational talks. We've got a main stage where kind of bigger presentations are going on, the things we want everybody in the audience to hear. And then we've got these breakout sessions that are a little bit more granular and a little bit more focused. We used to charge 
$300 for access to all those technical talks. It's now just $75 until the first of the year, $100 after the first of the year. Um, so it's very affordable. You get all the expo stuff. You get all of the tech talks over the three days um, and all of the cultural things as well. So the, the tech talks and the expo floor run Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We've got an iPhone film festival. We've got um, this multi kind of social networking area called the Live Zone where there's uh, like the Apple consultants are there giving free advice and helping you solve your problems. Um, Macworld Magazine is doing their editor stage. Um, we've got a music studio where there'll be performances all day, iPad sketch artists, photo booths, all sorts of interesting interactive things that you can do. So social networking, product discovery, learning, that's what happens the next three days. Yeah, it's it's almost like a carnival. I mean, I've been to trade shows, and this isn't like that. It's so fun, and uh, you really can let your geek flag fly. Uh, anybody you bump into in the aisleway is probably has a lot in common with you and could become a friend. I've met people bumping into them in a hallway at Macworld Expo, and Macworld iWorld is what it goes by now. Um, it really is amazing. I, I couldn't recommend it enough. Um, uh, you know, and Paul, the way you've done it with the hundred dollars now to get in to get all of the tech talks, that's that's really great because there is a lot of good knowledge there. There's some really great instructors and just fascinating things going on. So you not only get the expo hall, you can learn a ton. It's uh, I think that's the uh, that's the one you want to go for. Get yourself yeah, a tech talk ticket. I can't recommend that. Isn't that still called the iFan Pass still or? Um... The iPad Pass is what gets you into all the tech talks. Yeah, right. Just, that's I, I the can't one. recommend that enough because the the first year I went to MacWorld, I was so overwhelmed, and I just did the expo, and that was fine because I'd never seen San Francisco, and I was doing sightseeing, and I had other people with me. And then once I really got into it and, and started getting to know these geeks and starting networking, um, I, I bumped up and and I found out that a lot of the real action was upstairs, and that's where you really get some of this in depth. I mean, when do you get an opportunity to hear David Sparks talk? about, you know, creating iBooks or when do you get an opportunity to hear some of your your favorite Mac luminaries that maybe you've read them in magazines or maybe you've read their blogs or or maybe you've you've picked up their stuff um actually give a presentation in a much more intimate setting and be able to walk up to them afterwards and and ask them questions um that all happens at Macworld. Yeah, that's the vibe that we go for. The people who we select to speak at the event are well, first of all, you have to be really smart. And the second of all, you have to be a really good presenter. So it's kind of both those criteria. One or the other it is not really the vibe of what the show is. But what you just said, Katie, is really interesting. It is that vibe that there's a very thin curtain between the guy on the stage and the people in the audience. We're all using the same tools. And the ability to get mastery of these tools is really within the reach of everybody. And we look for speakers who can really help people on that journey to really kind of improve their skills. You know, this year we had a pretty busy year, a new year, a new release of OS X and a new release of iOS. So there's a lot of things to teach people and show people. And so our friends over at Macro Magazine will be doing some sessions on the, on the key features. David's doing a session. You're doing a session. Uh, Breen, Chris Breen's doing several sessions. We've got some celebrity um, connections. I don't know if you saw the release, but we just announced that Fred Armisen from Saturday Night Live fame is going to be presenting uh, an interview. Uh, Breen, Chris Breen will be doing an interview with him. Uh, Fred is an incredible Mac enthusiast. And he, not only is, a, is he a comedian, but he's an actor, he's a screenwriter, and he's an accomplished musician. And he's going to be talking about how these tools have inspired him and how he uses them in his own workflow. So we're really excited about that. Um, like I said, iPhone photography is huge. The best camera is the one that you have right at your fingertips. And so many people have iPhones now. 
the software, the tools, the features that Apple's built into the iPhone now are just so fantastic. We're going to be helping people learn how to get the absolute most out of whether it's their family pictures, their vacation pictures, uh, you know, just in, indulging their hobby. Um, it's all a lot of fun. Music is also huge. Um, right now, I don't know if you know this, but right now we've been running a social media contest called Indie Innovation, where bands across the country have been applying to come to Macworld, um, and they they register online and they talk about how Apple tools are used in their performance or production, uh, and then fans vote for their favorite, and then the two favorite will come to Macworld and actually do a Shark Tank like game show where they perform and pitch their their idea for how to run their band using Apple technology. The winner will actually open for Little Feet at the Macworld Blast event. The runner-up will do a private conference uh, concert in our music studio. So music with Apple technology is huge. Film with Apple technology is huge. Photography with Apple technology is huge. It's really, uh, it's just wonderful. These tools are, are, are dragging the inner Picasso out of everybody. Yeah, it really is a, a great experience. And you know, I'm just looking through the list now. iFixit's going to be there. Kyle Weens, the guy who we had on our show and who I met at Macworld several years ago for the first time. Uh, just there, you know, there's t- a ton of content here for the Mac Power users listeners. If you enjoy our show, you're going to just learn a bunch at this show. And and you know, the, the point we haven't even talked about, Paul, is just the social element in terms of not only do you get all this great content during the day, uh, there's tons of parties and meetups and things going on throughout this whole event. And uh, it, it really is the gathering. You, you need to go if you're a, a Mac user or an Apple enthusiast of any, of any type. I think one of the main comments that we've gotten year after year after year, all the stuff we put on that we facilitate is good, but the thing that seems to stay with people most is the interactions. You know, you'll, you'll, I'll always get the quote, like either in written comments or emails, it's all about the people. And I really think that the culture of Macworld has always been about a very social um, you know, get-together. You meet people of a similar interest. They're all going out for dinner together. All of a sudden, you find yourself you know, at a dinner table with a couple of editors and podcasters that you've heard. And you know, there, there, there's no barrier to entry for this. If you're hanging out and you know, you, you, if you're social enough to you know, don't be shy, um, you can really get that extra element, extra dimension out of the event. The social things at night are a lot of fun. You know, Dave Hamilton is doing the Cirque du Mac party again with the Macworld All-Star Band performing, which is always a lot of fun. Um, we're offering the Macworld Blast featuring the classic band Little Feet. That's on the Thursday night. Uh, we're going to close the event. Uh, were you guys at the, the closing event? The drum circle. That was very powerful. A lot of people thought that was a silly idea, but, you know, we know that this is all about um, – communication and, con- and connection uh, between people. And so I met this guy who's the father of drum circles. And he said, yes, I do these for organizations all over the world. And it's an organized drum circle. I mean, a lot of people have kind of a picture of a bunch of hippies in, in, the, in the park. It's kind of like that, but it's actually conducted. And this kind of tribal element as an interesting way to close this you know, this week of a very digital um, expression, this analog element to close the event was really joyous last year. And so we'll close the event with a drum circle again this year. Yeah, it's just amazing. I Like I said, it's, it's not like anything you've ever been to. And uh, I, I don't need to tell people who've already been there about it because anybody that's been is going to want to go again. But if you haven't, make the effort. And there's still time. You know, you can still get a hotel room. There's still passes available, and you're going to have so much fun. You won't regret it. Yeah, I agree. It, it, is, it is a wonderful time of year. 
It is an expression of joy for this technology that means so much to people. And uh, we, we kind of open the doors and we facilitate it. A lot of the great stuff happens serendipitously, organically. Uh, and uh, we hope everybody has a chance to come out and share. Yeah, I think, I, you know, I think, Paul, the reason I love it so much is because, you know, I don't work in technology every day. It's not my day job. And uh, it's just such a, a gathering of love. I mean, everybody there is so nice. I, I'll never forget the very first time I went to Macworld. And I don't even, it was a long time ago now. But I walk in the door and there's a bunch of people sitting on the ground with laptops right inside the conference center sharing like Apple scripts. Uh, who don't even know each other, you know, <laughs> and uh, and that was my introduction to MacWorld, and it stayed the same, you know. Thankfully for all the work you and Kathy and everybody year has done, it, it's it, that vibe has stayed over the years, and uh, it really is a remarkable thing to experience. We sincerely appreciate you noticing all the hard work. The satisfaction for us is when we get these kind of kind comments that um, that they, people really enjoy the show. They look for the show. They travel across the country, across the world to come to the show. Uh, Macro means something to people, and our job is to continue to do the the thoughtful things that that uh, that give it value and and uh, connection for people. Yeah, and because we're all geeks, we we stay connected electronically, and and we text each other and send emails and all these things. But you really can't be sitting in the same room with somebody, sharing a meal, walking down the aisle in the expo hall and looking at vendors together. There's just something about it. In fact, Katie and I, that's the only time we see each other all year is, it is, is at Macworld. Yeah. And, uh, and it's because of, of Macworld that this show really exists. That's where our friendship really you know, came together. So it is a fascinating thing to do. And, uh, and make sure you get out there. If you do get there, let us know. Come see us. You know, we're going to be out there as well. So uh, we love meeting listeners. And, and I'm sure Paul uh, as well loves to hear from people that show up and, and want to give him feedback. Well, one thing I can share with everybody, I think you guys are hearing this first. We finally were able to arrange space on the show floor for our favorite podcasters to do their shows. I know you guys had expressed some interest, so I guess we can share it with everybody right now. Uh, the listeners can actually come and hear uh, Max Sparky and David Sparks and, and Katie Floyd show right live on the show floor. So we'll be announcing. Excellent. Great. And Mac well, Power Users on the show floor. Now you have to go. You've got no yeah, choice. It's a deal. We'll be we'll be posting all the details on our on our site about where you can find us and what you can do. So, well, thank you, Paul. We look forward to it. My pleasure, guys. So. All right. So, Paul, where where can people go to find all the information to make travel plans to figure out hotels? Um, is it um, where do you want to send them to to get the latest updates on the events? Uh, where can everybody catch up on on all things MacWorld iWorld? Yep, so let's do a couple things here. It's, uh, the first place is, is the official event website, www.macworldiworld.com. Macworld iWorld, all one, one phrase, uh, www.macworldiworld.com. We also have a Facebook page where, where late-breaking news will get, will get um, pushed. Um, so you can go to uh, facebook.com slash Macworld. And uh, we also have a Twitter account, Macworld Expo, that will push late-breaking news. And we still have a couple of surprises up our sleeve that we'll be announcing over the next 30 days about the show. So you know, keep tuned to us, follow us, check the website out. But register right there at MacworldIWorld.com. Like I said, the, the iFan Pass which gets you into all the tech talks. There's over 60 tech talks. Are, is just $75 till the end of the year. Then it goes up to $100 on the first of the year, uh, which is still a great deal. I mean, you know, the main stage sessions alone uh, will dazzle and delight you, but all these breakouts that you have to choose from. And the whole schedule is on the Macworld iWorld website, so you can kind of go through day by day what is happening, hour by hour what is happening. So I encourage people to do that. 
All the special events are listed there. Um, information about the live zone, the networking area, you know, with the Apple Consultants Network and the music studio, that's all listed there as well. So either our website, MacworldIWorld.com, our Twitter account, Macworld Expo, at Macworld Expo, or our Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com slash Macworld, and you'll be sure to be kept up to date with all the great late-breaking news for the show this year. And, Paul, you're going to have that, that great app again this year, right? We have a new app this year. So we actually keep experimenting with apps. The one last year was very good, but we have a whole new app that's been designed for us, and that will be available about a week before the show to download. And that has a whole bunch of new features. That, you know, In addition to the schedule, online scheduler, uh, those types of things, there's some neat ways to get in touch with other attendees, um, a better way to um, interact with the show floor uh, activities and find exhibitors. So we have a new app coming this year. It will be downloadable on the, on the App Store um, about a week before the show. Yeah, my last bit of advice, if you're going, and a lot of us geeks are kind of introverts, this is the place that you need to let go of that. And just go out and introduce yourself to people, talk to these software developers, go to the sessions, and I guarantee you, you will have a great time. So everybody, make make your way to San Francisco at the end of January. See me and Katie, see Paul, and just have a, a lot of fun going to my favorite event of every year, Macworld iWorld. Thanks, Paul. All right, so there you go. Mac Power users uh, will be doing a show at Macworld. Please come see us if you're going to be there. It will make me so sad if our booth is empty when we give our show. It will just hurt my feelings. We'll just be all alone. I'm very um, sensitive, you know. You are. You are. We, we don't have the exact date and time yet, but uh, we will be uh, putting that on our website. And we've got a couple of weeks left to the show, so uh, uh, we'll let you know through the podcast, through Twitter, through the website. Um, where and when that's that's going to be, but it, um, I'm told it's going to be. Well, Paul told us it's going to be on the show floor. Hey, Katie, can I tell you about some other thing that I want everybody to put on their calendar? It's somewhat related to MacWorld. Okay. Adam Christensen and I, uh, Adam is over at the MacCast, are both right. Southern Californians, and we've been talking about having fun at Disneyland with a bunch of Mac geeks, and we decided that we're going to do it on January 26. So if you are um, coming out here to go to Macworld the following week or just in the Southern California area on the January 26th, we're going to have a bunch of fun at Disneyland. So uh, put that on your calendar and uh, look at maxsparky.com. We're going to have a, a landing page for it in the near future um, and uh, more details, but put that one on your calendar. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Geeks at Macworld or geeks at Disney. What could yeah. go wrong? Why not? Why, Why not? not? All right. Well, we've got quite a bit of good feedback to go through. And before we do, let's um, talk about our last sponsor, and that is Drobo. You know, Drobo is just really – it's so simple. I was i was talking to my uncle who was here for the holidays, and he had used some other, you know, RAID array that, that he actually brought to me in a box. And he said, here, do you want this? And I said, um, no, not really. Have you seen my Drobo? And he said, yeah, I just, I, I can't deal with this. You know, I wanted to upgrade my hard drives and it was a big pain and I had to get exactly matching drives and configure them and the firmware was wonky. And I just, he just gave up and went out and, and just got a bunch of hard drives, which he's not happy with because now he's got hard drives cluttering all over his desk. And I said, well, okay, well, here's my Drobo sitting over here in the corner connected to my network. And I've got a couple of one and a half terabyte drives in there. I've got a couple of single terabyte drives in there. Um, over the holidays, I just upgraded. Uh, I had a couple of 500 gig drives in there that I just pulled out and, and upgraded those to one terabyte drive. So I upgraded my space. And that's the beauty of Drobo. Regardless of which version of the Drobo you've got, and they've got different versions for everybody, whether you want to go with the standard Drobo or the Drobo Mini 
or the Drobo 5D or 5N, which are the, the brand new products that are out there. The beauty of Drobo is that you you stick your hard drives in there. You can mix and match. It doesn't matter which size they are. Um, you know, just throw your SATA drives in there. And Drobo will dynamically expand the storage at any time. And it can hold up to 36 terabytes depending on the model and the configuration that you've got. So it's this huge pot of storage. And like I said, when I wanted to pull out my 500 gig drives and put in a new terabyte drive to increase my space because I had some leftover hard drives, wasn't a big deal. I just pulled out the 500, stuck in the one terabyte, and the Drobo sent me a little message saying, hey, I'm I'm recompiling and reconfiguring your data. I'll let you know when I'm done. And uh, within a couple hours, it was done. No big deal. I swapped out the other drive, and it started the process again. Uh, it was beautiful. It was painless, and I didn't have to worry about configuring the RAID. I didn't have to worry about having matching drives. It was just whatever I happened to have handy. Yeah, it's such a great device. And the nice thing is you don't need to be a complete nerd to figure it out. You just throw anything in there, and the upgrades are really simple. Um, as I've said in the past, I, I've got some real small drives in there, and as they go bad or as I come into a little extra cash once in a while or I need extra storage, I just swap them out, and uh, it's just a great product. So go check it out, drobo.com. Um, and if you do get one, let them know you heard about it from us. Um. On some feedback, you know, we had our resolution show and we covered a lot of different topics over the, the past couple of shows. And Michael sent me a, a Twitter about the one password emergency kit. And this is a blog post on the Productivityist, which I hadn't, I don't remember if I had seen this, but it, it's basically a, a, a PDF page that you can download that has all of the basic information that we talked about that you can say to your family, um, hey, I use pass one password. This is what it is, and so you can just you know download this this uh, PDF version or this plain text version of this uh, of of this page, and it kind of walks your family member. This is all the information that you need. So uh, I put a link in the show notes to the one password emergency kit, and you can check it out. You know, I knew about this when it came out, and it just slipped my mind. I don't know how I forgot about it, but you know, Mike Verdi is a smart guy, and uh, so definitely go check this out. Absolutely. We also got a solution that I thought was very clever to your Alaska photo problem. I know. Thanks to Dustin for this. So my basic problem is that I'm I'm going to Alaska for two weeks. I don't want to take up my Mac. And I'm trying to figure out how do I back up my photos while I'm in Alaska. And what he says is that both he and his wife use their iPhones as their cameras, which means their photos go to PhotoStream and anytime they're logged into Wi-Fi which, you know, shouldn't be too much of a problem when I'm in port. And they have a Mac Mini at home, which I have a Mac Mini at home, set up as a home server that runs 24-7. So using Automator, what they do is they created a calendar event um, on theirs is at 11 p.m. You could pick any day that starts iPhoto every single night and then closes iPhoto. So it, it opens iPhoto, leaves it open for a certain amount of time to let iPhoto download all the new pictures and photo stream and then shuts down iPhoto. And then, of course, I'm sure you've got backups. And so, car, you know, you've got Carbon Copy Cloner, Super Duper, Crash Plan, whatever you've got making backups. So this is great for any photos that you take with your iPhone. And then if you use the iPhone camera connection kit, you can import the photos that you take with non-iPhone cameras. And those will go up to your photo stream as well. And then once a day, you've got your Mac open up, pull down the photos off your photo stream and close back down again. 
Yeah, and you could do some, you could get trickier with this. Like if you wanted, you could build in an Apple script to send yourself an email to say everything worked, or you could do this with Keyboard Maestro. I mean, I could think of a lot of ways to go about this. Um, but I, I thought it was a really great idea. So thanks, Dustin. Um, Yuvi wrote in, and Yuvi's been on our show before, uh, about the thing I blew when I said, you know, why do you need Dropbox syncing? Photo stream seems to work for me, blah, blah, blah. I missed the point of video because PhotoStream doesn't sync your video that way. And just the holidays is a good reminder. I took a bunch of video of the kids uh, during various holiday events, and I had to plug in to um, to pull those down. Dropbox, if I if I use Dropbox syncing, it would grab that video. Yeah, that's a forehead smack. Yeah. Whoops. Um, we also heard back uh, on the light bulb discussion. I didn't realize how many uh, nerds out there were interested in these hues because a bunch of people wrote in to say about them. Uh, several of our listeners have them, and they all say that they generally like them. Uh, the only complaint I heard was that they thought they were a little dim. You know, it's about the same as a 60-watt bulb. And so uh, they felt like it wasn't enough light. You needed to have several of them in a room, and these things aren't cheap. I did not get any, by the way. Santa didn't bring them to me. I was not nice oh. enough. Uh, so... So I'm still thinking about it, but you know, there's better things I can spend my money on right now, like college. So <laughs> we'll see. Um, the uh, we also got an interesting set of links from from Tim about the CFL bulbs, and I didn't realize it. And we're going to put some links in the show notes. There's a lot of things about these CFL bulbs that are, are not to like. And watching these YouTube videos, uh, I was convinced that I'm not going to be buying any more CFL bulbs. So. It's interesting. I, I watched that link when you sent it. It was really interesting. I mean, my power is going somewhere else, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So it's maybe it's a global conspiracy, or maybe they're just not very good. I'm not sure yet. Um, but we'll put those links in the show notes, and you can make your own decisions. There you go. All right. Well, I think that's going to about wrap up this episode. Um, we've got a good set of links in the show notes. You can find those at our website at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. You can also reach us uh, through email. We're feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Or you can send us a Twitter to uh, at MacPowerUsers. Or Katie is at Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Sparky. And we're both still playing with app.net. Yeah, playing a little bit with app.net. Not as much as I used to, but I still do check it, I think, once a day or so. But, yeah. um, all right. Well, that's going to wrap up our, our, our New Year show. And uh, Happy New Year to you, David. And thank you to everybody. And uh, look forward to kicking off a brand new year of Mac Power users. It's, uh, you know, 2012 was the year we moved up to one episode a week. And we weren't sure if we'd be able to pull it off or not. And now uh, I can't imagine not doing it once a week. Wow. Yeah. We'll see where else we can go from here. All right. See you next week.